welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of that Catholic Cafe. Uh, with uh, Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And Thomas Patrick Dorian. Yes, sir. How are you doing, TPD? Well, sir, and you? I'm doing well as well. Good. And Ziggy? How many times can you we doing say well? well? I, I am doing very well. Well. All right. Well, <laughs> a well is a hole in the ground. And yes. I'm so glad that we know that and that we're doing well. And I hope everyone out there listening is doing well. Yes. Uh, and uh, today, we're going to announce something big. Yeah, we are we are going to do a series of shows. So announcing, uh, we need a theme. You know, we have the mailbag theme. (laughs) We need a series theme. Think about that for a second. Oh, Oh. okay. I think I got one. Okay, it's the big theme. It's the big theme. It's the big theme of our show. No, I I want to vote no. No, guys, I worked like really hard on that. I know you did. I know you did. (laughs) This is a little sweat on your brow right now. As a matter of fact. No, so 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 here's the thing. <laughs> uh, we are going to do a series of seven shows. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the seven sorrows of Mary mm. devotion. Uh, so we this is going to be an interesting show. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you all. Uh, it's not something I participate in much. I don't know about you other, and I know you do. I do. I know, of course, you do. <laughs> Uh, uh, Ziggy does, um, and Ziggy's the good Catholic here, uh, and, and I'm just a lowly deacon struggling to get by. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and I what know does that make me? I'm not going to say. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I will say that uh, uh, I'm not unfamiliar with it. Oh yeah, and I've participated, um, and I've seen it, you, you know, uh, done like before or after mass on daily masses and on on Saturdays. Yeah, uh, you know, at, at various parishes that I've been assigned to or, or working in at a certain time. Uh, so, but really going into the history of it and why we do it or whatever, we should spend a little time doing that, and then we're going to spend a show on each one of the seven sorrows. And I yes. think that'll be kind of cool to do. Uh, so that'll be a total of. Seven shows, then. Yeah, and the last one is going to air the week before her feast day, uh, which will also be, you know, the seven sorrows, the burial of Jesus, and that will be airing actually on 9-11. So there's obviously plenty to relate to. Okay. A lot of burials by a lot of moms on so, that day. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's, let's dive in. Yes. So let's dive in. First of all, I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions, Sam, because you know the answers to all these <laughs> things. So wh- when and where did, the, uh, did this devotion start? Well, it's an ancient devotion, and and so I don't don't think it's correct to say it necessarily started with St. Bridget of Sweden, but she was a saint in the 1300s, and she was a mystic and a visionary, and she was a major, uh, I guess you could say, uh, she was a major mystic of this particular devotion. You know, a lot of these devotions to our Blessed Mother have apparitions attached to them, and they have promises attached to the apparition and attached to the devotion. And so... Um, there were seven promises that were made um, by Our Lady to St. Bridget of Sweden. And then um, she also, uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori, also about 400 years later, um, there, were, there were four promises that he shared uh, related to uh, those who undertake a devotion to uh, Our Lady's sorrows. And there's a lot of different ways to pray uh, this devotion. But the thing that I personally find to be super powerful about it is if you take the simplest approach which is one 
Hail Mary per sorrow. So that's a total of seven Hail Marys. And taking uh, whatever time you might have in that moment to meditate on the seven sor- on each one of the sorrows uh, with each Hail Mary. Uh, that's all that you need in order to receive the graces of the devotion. I can personally tell you it has changed my life. It's a daily devotion for me. And there are some days where I'm able to really spend a lot of time on uh, the meditations. And that's been extraordinarily fruitful to me. But I can tell you there's also been great moments in which, gosh, I only had a, a few minutes I basically have just time for a, a teeny tiny meditation on each right? and just basically name the meditation and just allow whatever's in my heart to kind of come to the surface as I say a Hail Mary as intentionally as possible. And I'll tell you, even in those circumstances, our Blessed Mother has been faithful and has been faithful with these promises. Um, so l- l- you you texted me the promises, yeah, uh, and it sounds like a nice little package here. I mean, I'm, I'm looking great. at these and going, <laughs> I, I like I like these. So uh, the promises that were made to Saint Bridget of Sweden, I will grant peace to their families. Uh, they will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. Uh, three, I will console them in their pains, and I will accompany them in their work. Four, I will give them as much as they ask for, as long as it does not oppose the adorable will of my divine Son or the sanctification of their souls. Five, I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy, and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. Six, I will visibly help them at the moment of their death. They will see the face of their mother. Seven, I have obtained this grace from my divine son that those who propagate this devotion to my tears and dolors will be taken directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness since all their sins will be forgiven and my son will be their eternal consolation and joy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, And, and there's two in particular that have become... Uh reasons why this meditation is a major go-to for me yeah six and seven well you know i love those obviously i mean that would be no that wasn't the ones because i'm I'm just seeing mary's face i can't imagine at my death and you hear stories like that and it just still makes the hair in the back of my neck just i get tingles oh yeah you know and then and then also like oh by the way you you get on this you get on the special bus bus you're going straight to heaven right right I, I like that no that's very good that's very good but I'll tell you the two that have made it very present for me uh, I will be I'll grant peace to their families well that's beautiful and then the other one uh, in terms of I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy and I will protect them at every instant of, instant of their lives and there, and so first of all I want to mention the spiritual warfare aspect of all the apparitions the church approved apparitions that are out there this is the only one that specifically mentions blocking evil spirit activity uh, for actually engaging in spiritual warfare on our behalf and so as a result a lot of people might not know this but our lady of sorrows is actually a, a go-to devotion for exorcists and for those who are engaged in you know deliverance ministry and spiritual warfare in a, in a, in a, in a heavy way and um, I can say you know I, I, it's now been over a year that I've been praying the seven sorrows every day and also uh, it, it, when I'm when it pops up in a moment you know even let's say there's evil spirit activity that I just sense or there could be drama about to erupt erupt within the family taking a step back saying the seven sorrows praying the seven sorrows I'm telling you I have seen miracles happen uh, where it, drama seems inevitable, and all of a sudden, by the seventh sorrow, literally by the seventh Hail Mary, it breaks. That's amazing. Um, and it's so I just I can't say enough uh, about 
this particular uh, devotion. Is there a formula for this, by the way? Do you need to do it so many times a day or no, a no, week I, or a so month I, I or think, a year or just once in your lifetime? Uh, well, I think I, to make it a daily devotion, you know, and so like for me, I have my, my morning prayer routine and the culminating moment of my morning prayer routine is to seven, say the seven sorrows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that every day, but then I also do it as, as, as uh, you know, in an emergency basis as well as that arises. Right. I, and I've seen in parishes where uh, it's a little more formalized. Oh yeah. And I've seen online there are actually some formal uh, ways of doing it, and and some will be like using a regular rosary. Oh yeah. And they sell uh, so chaplet versions of rosaries that are for the seven sorrows. Yes, there's a chaplet. There are special prayers related right. to Our Lady of Sorrows. There's a lot of different ways to honor her. This is the way that which I do it. Um, and I can tell you from what I've read that it is an approved way to engage in the uh, the devotion. Um, but I think as long as you're as long as it involves Hail Marys, at least one Hail Mary for each sorrow, and as long as it involves meditating on the sorrows, I, I think it, it you know you you're going to uh, uh, fulfill the requirements. One thing I'll say, and I think this is very important, the whole purpose of the devotion, in large part, I'll say. We are compassionating her sorrows. So what we're we're literally trying to do is put ourselves in our mama's shoes and try to take in these sorrows, including things like the crucifixion of our Lord and other things from like other periods in his life, um, to try to take it in through her eyes, to try to experience that sorrow uh, along with her. And one of the things that I wanted to mention to you guys, you know, I've heard a lot of really interesting talks on Our Lady of Sorrows and on Our Lady. And one particular talk that I found was very interesting focused on St. Thomas Aquinas and sort of his anthropology of the human person and said, guys, Our Lady is a woman of perfect virtue. And it might be hard for us to fully understand with Our Lady, with uh, the Blessed Mother, you know, how her ability to uh, the way in which she was engaging in uh, the way in which she was engaging in those sorrows um, and experiencing those sorrows would be on a level that's uh, very different than how we were. Right. Given the fact that she has perfect virtue, and I'll give you an example. Like a lot of times, we when we experienced you know just uh, traumatic event after traumatic event after traumatic event, a lot of times we end up getting numb. You know, we end up. Uh, over time, we can get numb. We can get cynical um, when thing you know we can shut down. These are sometimes defense mechanisms and coping mechanisms that we just have as human beings. Um, she was by being a woman of without sin and literally being in a state of perfection in her virtues. There's a level of interior strength that this woman, our Blessed Mother, has Mm. that's really hard for us to imagine. She literally was taking in the fullness of those sorrows and it it did not leave her numb for future sorrows. She experienced all of it in its fullness and she's also, by being perfect in virtue, has perfect compassion. And so literally, her compassion is, like for example, as she's watching Jesus be crucified, She's experiencing that with uh, 
there's there she has literally a perfect you know experience within her heart of his sorrows and so i think it's important for us to understand that as well that we're doing our best when we pray this devotion to put ourselves in her shoes and to compassionate our sorrows but there's a limit that we sinners right can uh, the, truly but, but, do what was what seems beautiful about this devotion though is that we can then though avail ourselves of those graces yeah. that she provides so it's kind of like uh, you know there's always been this search for like the perpetual motion engine right right so you just give it one crank and it goes forever right right in, in that same way she really is a perpetual motion grace engine in other words she because of her uh, her spiritual perfection, I guess, is the way you yeah. would say it. Because of that, she's able to perfectly process that sorrow yeah. and essentially turn it into the graces that we that are required for salvation of the world. Yes. Right? And so if we avail ourselves of those graces, where we can't do that, like so you would see a normal person that suffers, right? that has these same seven sorrows, right? A normal, just an ordinary person, they're they're gonna they're gonna get bogged down to some degree because there's an imperfection there, right? Right. So virtue, we don't have that. We don't have that ability. That's what you're talking about. But if our blessed mother does, yeah. and we unite ourselves to our Lord's suffering, but then specifically her sorrows, mm-hmm. then amazingly the the graces then kind of flow through her to us. Exactly. And and so that's a very powerful opportunity. Well she's the new Eve, right? So the new Adam suffered and died uh you know and was resurrected that we might experience new life. Well she's the new Eve. Yeah. Right? And, and in the same regard, you know, that each of us, you know, we did a show recently on the on on, on redemptive suffering. That just as each member, uh, just as the Godhead had to suffer and die in order to be resurrected, that each member of His body likewise had to suffer and die in order to be resurrected. Well, she in her sorrows, what we're actually dealing with is her redemptive suffering, and we're stepping into her redemptive suffering that she likewise also offered in participation yeah. for the salvation of the right. world. And so it's a beautiful opportunity to, to step in and to share it. Really and I, I do want to, uh, we had mentioned that also there were four promises made oh, yeah. uh, to St. Alphonsus Liguori. So, uh, number one, that those who invoke the Divine Mother by her sorrows before death will merit to obtain true repentance of all their sins. And number two, that he will protect such in their tribulations, especially at the hour of death. Number three, that he will impress upon them the memory of his passion and that they shall have their reward for it in heaven. And number four, that he will commit such devout servants to the hands of Mary that she may dispose of them according to her pleasure and obtain for them all the graces she desires. And the, and the, and the reason it says he there is, I, I meant to... Uh, that's Jesus saying that right. to Saint I assumed that he was that. Right, was Jesus. right. And so what that is, was that was Jesus saying, I want you to honor my mother in this, in this way. And this is what I will do for you. She's made those seven promises. These are the promises that I am making to you as Jesus, uh, because I also want you to, uh, uh, to, to undertake this devotion. So there, um, there are seven Sorrows, yes. That that uh, uh, and I, I did some a little bit of reading, and there were some Servite friars, you know, uh, are, uh, who came up with these seven sorrows, uh, and I'm sure they went through the uh, proper channels. Sure, uh, but traditional. So it's very old. Uh, but the seven uh, sorrows are the prophecy of Simeon, the flight into Egypt, the loss of Jesus for three days. The carrying of the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus taken down from the cross, 
uh, and Jesus laid in the tomb. And you you might see different ways in which those things are worded, but essentially those are the 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 um, the events that are united to the sorrows uh, or the great sorrows of Mary. And so if we look at that first one, the prophecy of Simeon, uh, and indeed we, we, we talk a little bit about what the whole point of doing this particular devotion is, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about taking those sorrows uh, and, and somehow like sort of uh, seeing Mary's part in that, like what what was it like for a mom to go and see Simeon. Yeah. And what a great day, by the way. Like, so for those of you who have had your kid. Mystery. Yeah. To see yourself, uh, to get uh, get your kid baptized or whatever, right? And it's like, oh, we're going to the baptisms today and we're dressing in the little gowns and we're doing all these things. We have folks over. It's a day of joy, right? So here in this situation, the presentation uh, of uh, Jesus in the temple. You know, it's a joyous occasion for a Jewish family. Well, I mean, if and really, I think the joy of it begins at the Annunciation, right? Nine, like nine months and forty days prior to yeah. that day, um, the angel Gabriel is descending upon her, informing her that God's going to bring about His plan for salvation through uh, a child that she would conceive in her womb, mm-hmm. and waits upon her to give her yes to this. I mean, imagine first of all, as a, a, a Jewish girl, she grows up p- without sin perfectly devoted to God. What is every Jew waiting for all their life? It's Mashiach, right? Messiah. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, and here, she, it's about to be brought about in her womb if she gives her yes to that, right? And so she's giving her, she gives her yes to the angel Gabriel. We all know the joy of receiving the Eucharist. She literally had a nine-month-long Eucharist Yes, in her womb. You know, we all talk about babies being a bundle of joy. This is joy itself. When she delivers this baby and he's in her arms, it's joy yourself itself is in her arms. Jesus says, I'm the way, the life, uh, the way, the truth, and the life. This is life itself that she is giving birth to, you know, who, who is depending upon her for the necessities of life, it, nursing at her breast, you know, and like he has entrusted herself to, her, to himself, to her care. And now she on this day has a chance to present this baby that she conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. She now gets to present this baby back to God, to consecrate this baby back to God. I can't imagine the level of joy and anticipation she would have experienced going into this. Yeah, and so then she hears some words. Oh, yeah. And so, some, so this joyous day becomes uh, uh, one of the great sorrows yes. for Mary. And but so There's what a is- saint who says, by the way, that this is the day that all of her joys turn to sorrow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the name. It might have been Alphonsus Liguori, but I don't want to misquote him. But, uh, but yeah, it, so what the, What St. Simeon said to her, he said, this child is going to grow up to be a sign that will be contradicted, who will lead to the rise and fall of many, and that a sword will pierce your heart so that the thoughts of many may be, will be laid bare. Yeah. So, again, imagine going to the baptism. And the priest or deacon says, you know, eventually this, your kid's going to die. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, okay, this is supposed Thank to be a you. happy day, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so I, I guess and it's not the same thing. And, no. But, but there's, there's this sort of, uh, there's this weight, right? There's, there's, this, there's this heaviness to what, what he says, something very serious and profound. Well, a lot of early church fathers say that this is a shortened version of what was actually prophesied over the child, and that um, you know the words actually that she likely 
received, and of course this is just conjecture within you know the context right. of conversation, might have been even more uh, intense and more graphic than what's depicted in this moment. But mm-hmm. to be a sign that it, mean, it will be contradicted means he's going to be spoken against. Um, he's going to be the, the cause of the rise and fall of many, and but then the, the violence there. There's going to be a sword that pierces your heart. What is? How did she take that in that moment? Right, you know, and and it's, and it's beautiful because you know, in in that particular uh, uh, passage, this this particular sorrow is taken out of the Gospel of Luke, and you know, Luke has a very special relationship with Mary. There's some small t traditions that say that you know, Luke talked to Mary. Oh yeah, and Mary related these things to her, so she would be the source, right, for this happening. Uh, and uh, and you, it might have been other words, but even but those are words enough. To say that you know, by the way, you know your your heart will be pierced by a sword. Oh, and that's how it's typically. Our Lady of Sorrows is typically depicted with yeah. seven swords piercing her heart, each sorrow being a sword. And I, you know, one thing that comes to mind because uh, I think, guys, it's important. Not only do we place ourselves in her shoes, but we also draw upon our own lives to relate to. Um, you know her sorrows the best we can through things that we've experienced and you know something that is coming to me as we're talking about this i had a little brother who died when i was uh when i was three and he was two and you know this was the early 80s when he was born and i was born and back then ultrasounds were pretty new so i was a very healthy baby and so there was no ultrasound on my little brother because they said hey Sam was so healthy, this is going to be a cinch. You don't need to go through the, the rigmarole of an ultrasound. Well, what they didn't realize was that he had uh, the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck, mm. but then in addition to that, he had a giant omphalocele, which basically means his organs were, he was born with his organs on the outside of his body. And so they didn't know, my family didn't know at the time until he started getting born about either the umbilical cord or the giant omphalocele. And, you know, he lived for two years. He lived for two years. And my dad, who had, at that point, he had left the Catholic Church, you know, he grew up in the Catholic Church and he had left it. He so compassionated seeing his son suffer in this way. You know, he'd, he'd struggled with the question of, like, why, do, why would a... a you know the notion of why would a loving father send his son to die yeah and that question kind of melted away because he started experiencing as a father seeing his son die Mm -hmm. and started putting himself in the shoes of our heavenly father seeing their son die you know and he he started referring to our to to him as uh his little lamb Mm. and he's sort of a family saint he was baptized on an emergency basis by my dad you know in in a near death uh moment uh, but, you know, he was baptized. He was too young to ever sin. He suffered all his life. His suffering had redemptive value that brought my dad back to God, back to the church, brought, which eventually brought me back to the church. So we look at him as a little family saint. But from I, that's what comes to me. I mean, what great joy it was supposed to be the day of his birth. And yet it was a joy where the, all those joys turned to sorrow and they re- realized um, you know all the, the the medical difficulties that they were unaware of that they could have been away, made aware of with a simple ultrasound. And and again, now someone listening to this who's not uh, doesn't normally practice this devotion, and maybe someone who's not Catholic listening now, they're struggling. First of all, with our discussion about Mary, sure, right? Uh, but but even more so, it's like why do you Catholics always want to be so depressed all the time? <laughs> so why why the seven sorrows? Can can't she be happy? Right, she had, she gave birth to the baby that saved the world, <laughs> right? And, and yet, 
what you're talking about is that process itself, while Mary said yes to it, right. Right, as you pointed out with Gabriel, she, you know, it's almost like you want the scriptures to, can, you know, maybe, did Gabriel say, like, are you sure? Right, right. Because, not that he did that, and he didn't need to do that, because her heart was so, at that point, committed, all right, to the work of the Lord in, in her life and in and, and part of the salvation of the world. But, but the reality is, you want to think that way because it's like be careful what you say mm-hmm. because attached to it or if it's 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 there's a heaviness there's like this is serious well people say that she carried with her the prophecy of saint simeon through the rest of christ's life that this first sorrow that her passion you know if people say well christ's passion you know began um in the upper room when he was uh you know you know doing the last supper right there's good theological foundation for saying that. Some people say that her passion began with began with the prophecy of Saint Simeon because those words never left her her mind. That fr- from that point forward, as they made their flight into Egypt, as they uh, she lost Christ in, the, in Jerusalem, as she was watching him be uh, attacked and crucified, all all of these 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 things that she endured, that she was processing this in a lifelong way through. Uh, this first sorrow, the prophecy of Saint. Simeon. I could see that. Yeah, and so I, I guess we, we just need to see this uh, from her through her eyes, and it really helps. So that sorrow then uh, is joy that turns to sorrow that turns to joy. Mm. I mean, for for its fullness, it's almost cyclical. Uh, and again, it, it speaks uh, it speaks to God's plan of salvation, right? Redemptive suffering. This the idea that uh, uh, that in suffering. In Christ's suffering specifically, but then our uniting our suffering to to His on the cross, but then also to His mother mm. avails us of the graces. So we get we have like these all these conduits of grace that come to us yes. in the, in this way of suffering, and and the, and that when we get close to that, that's when it has effects on our. That's like brings peace to our families. Yes, right. I mean, we desire peace, and we know that there's a strife involved. But again, when we're when we're tied to the sorrow of Mary, and here in the prophecy of Simeon, and realizing like I know you th- came here today, and it was going to be a just a happy day, and you probably have a family party afterwards. <laughs> right. But here's the drill. This is what you. This is the fullness of what you signed up for. Right. But it's necessary, and it's beautiful. And it's a gift. It's a gift to you, but really it's a gift to the entire world. Mm. And that's why it's so important that we recognize that Mary, the mother of God, is also the Mary, the mother of the church, and our mother. Mm. And that's why we, we want to come to Mary. We want to be with Mary. We want to invite Mary into our lives. And these seven sorrows of Mary are a terrific and wonderful and beautiful, blessed way to do that. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.